Hey, welcome to the podcast, Ask Mom and Dad. Uh, if dad, I paused your dad. Bit, it wouldn't work. Because you so. should have said dad, and then I could say Ask mom. me and her. Oh, no, that's works. not as nearly as interesting. So just for the first, I designed a logo for us. It's a new one. It's going to change <laughs> the way it looks on our podcast. podcast. I designed it. it in all of five and a half seconds and then went, oh, I like it. I only say that because I've painstakingly spent time and hours and sometimes even months working on logos for, say, like my daughter's band, and she still doesn't have a logo, and uh, never have come to terms with anything. But in five minutes, I go, oh, that's kind of cool. We like silly world we live in. And that's why I want to talk about calling and why I'm not a graphic artist. Um, but last, you'd like to be. I do. I do like to do it. It's great. It's mindless. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. for those of you who are graphics artists out there that might be offended by my microaggression right mind. now, I please would like to get over yourself. Um, no, I, uh, we, we talked the last two times about uh, calling and we got into, uh, excuse me, we got into what it means to be called in a general sense. The first call is the call to follow Christ. And, and then we got into uh, general calling into ministry and we told a little bit of our stories. A little bit. You, you did. I don't remember. I don't think I did. Oh, yeah. Well, yet. You told you, you, called, you talked about coming to Jesus and becoming mm-hmm. a missionary. I want, I want you to talk a little bit about a missionary. <laughs> you talked being on mission as a kiddo. Um, so yeah. I want to talk about that a little bit today. I, I didn't, I failed to mention in my, um, in my storyline uh, uh, last week, my actual life verse. You talked about your life verse. We talked about, you, you, you reminded me of it, like a verse of living, which Colossians 2, 6 is that, you know. Um, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue in him, rooted and built up in him and strengthened in the faith, as you were taught, overflowing with thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And um, and it goes on to talk about being careful of the dangers and philosophies of the world, which would seek to derail mm-hmm. um, the gospel. And that's been a, um, that's and we talked about that a bit. Verse for yeah, you. That was a ministry yeah. verse for me. But the calling verse was, was pivotal. And I want to point that out because I think I talked a little bit last time about um, it not being... Uh, looking for God's voice. There was this, for me, there was an experience, but that's not what cemented it for me. And I, and I really, you know, experiences and emotions, and, I, and maybe we'll get into this a little bit today because I think emotions, are, I think sometimes are what kill ministers because um, yeah, right. we're always looking for the next high. And we need to understand that Jesus is not the next high. And there's, and, and I, I know I'm using, uh, some might consider that terse language, but I think sometimes we can get a little Secular. addicted to the rush that comes with um, being in the right worship experience or being in the right um, environment or seeing someone's life transform. And you're always looking for something and you're taking something away from that, which isn't in and of itself wrong. But if that becomes the target for you to feel good about doing ministry, then you're missing the point of the call because there's a lot of people out there who never feel good about ministry. They're Mm -hmm. doing what they're... um, There's several prophets in the Bible who... (laughs) You I know, think of missionaries who you hear their stories and they're just, it sounds as if it was just about misery the whole time. So it's, so what you're about to say is it's got to be inward. It's got to be something that comes from within, right? It's not, there's not a, uh, like you said, an out, kind of an outward um, epiphany that just, I don't know, that you keep searching for that you keep experiencing but instead there's an inner drive that god has put in you well i think okay let's not um yes i don't want to disagree i'm not I'm, well I, i'm listening to what you're saying and, and i'm and i'm i'm agreeing with you well you that inner drive is verse. rooted in yeah i'm getting Quote there the rooted, the, because that's what i'm talking about yeah the the drive is rooted in 
the reality of that first call, your your relationship with Jesus. So the Holy Spirit comes to live in us as Christians. And I've developed as um, a, a missionary. I had that calling, and I knew I was going to go into ministries. But I struggled initially with that calling and what that looked like. I was like, okay, God, when he called me, and I said, okay, so I'm going to do what I know how to do. I'm a musician. I'm going to go sing, and I guess I'm, that makes me a music minister. That's what I'll do, right? And then through continuing to go, and uh, so I started exploring missions, and as I explored missions, and I was on one of those mission trips, I took a summer and I went to South Louisiana and I was down there and it was in the pastor's office there. I was reading my Bible and having a quiet time, spending time alone with the Lord and seeking his word. And he showed me John 15, 16, which says, you have not chosen me, but I've chosen you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. That moment for me cemented that it didn't matter whether I was doing music ministry or riding dirt bikes for Jesus. I don't ride dirt bikes. I've never ridden dirt bikes once it was terrible um and that no matter whatever it was i was supposed to be doing i was called by him to be a fruit bearer and to be someone who touched someone's life in a way that was lasting because of his work through me so it took a lot of pressure off me to say you know you're not figuring out life i told you what to do with life now do it because of because you knew that he had chosen you, not I. We could switch the vernacular. Called works better in some settings. It makes more sense in that sense. But chosen makes makes it so that, like you said, it's not on you anymore. It's not as if now I've got to respond, which we did. You do respond, but you respond kind of once, and then you continue to focus on him, and he does every other bit of the work, really, through you, in you, transforming you, and and keeping you right. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, he's doing the work. For me, the weight was lifted because at that point in my world, I had a question that I couldn't answer, and that's what am I supposed to do? And Jesus basically told me in that moment, your job is to bear fruit. It was general, yes, but it wasn't But can my, you even it bear wasn't, fruit on your own? No, I mean, obviously John 15. And yeah, so says so you have to stay it's, connected it's, to the vine. It's John 15, 16, and he's talking about the vine and that thing and saying that in me is where you'll find that fruit. So if you take that whole, that, that verse, the reason that verse stood out in that quiet time was because it was printed and above the pastor's desk. He had put it there for his own reminder. And I was having my quiet time and I was reading. And I, so I went and, and have since, you know, 30 years plus, I've looked at John 15 a lot. And it's all about, you know, Jesus saying in me is where fruit is. And that, you know, you're yeah. going to, I'm the vine, you are the branches, abiding apart from me, you can do nothing abiding. Yeah. So understanding that, that this, that the fruitfulness of ministry comes from the faithfulness to the relationship. And I, Jesus and is always, it's his faithfulness. It's his, I was say, Jesus is <laughs> always faithful to us, but we, so we're not going to, he's not going to just throw his ch children out, but children have better relationships with their parents when they interact with them. Yeah. So that's your ask well, mom okay. and dad moment. Yeah. So, um. If, well, what I I have an actual book. In fact, I showed it at one of these when we were talking a little bit about our some books we're reading or something called "Abide in Me," and it's the by Andrew Murray, I think. Um, exactly what I feel like is the whole of it. John fifteen uh, says that you cannot even do anything without me. There's a song I even wrote from one of those verses that mm. without me you can do nothing. Meaning that you nothing that you do is going to be. Uh, eternally fruit bearing right so what you do is abide in me because then i do the work through you i i have chosen you so i do mm -hmm. i bear that fruit so it takes quite a bit of the pressure off but like we've talked about i think in ministry 
the only absolute necessity is that we abide in him and that and that itself is work it's not it's not that you take that for granted you know it it's a thing it exists but you that is your quote work is to know him and to to walk knowing him right i mean walking uh as near allowing him to uh, permeate your thoughts to be to be what you're thinking to be to angle your thinking to do everything um so to draw near to him so that as he's as you're drawing near to him he's drawing near to you it's a both and right <laughs> right right and and you're and you're as uh, your statement about saying you know that god's doing the work yeah i i'm i'm not trying to say that it's my responsibility is to be the most you know to do all that labor and and saying that the fruit's coming because i'm and even to the to, what's the one i'm trying to say even in the relationship, the Bible tells us in Philippians 2.13, um, it's God who's working in, a, in you, enabling you both to desire and to work out his good purpose. Yeah. And so God's working in me. And the, the desire to be with God says that God's doing the work in me to desire him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I, I, I'll never forget so when we first moved to Arizona, um, it was a... <laughs> The desert is a dry place. It's a dry heat, but I'm, so I'm going to go ahead and say the joke up front. It was a dry time for me at first. <laughs> we both moved there. I was excited about the new job, but I wasn't sure what um, it was going to entail. And I was just busy getting settled, doing everything the pastor told me to do to get settled. Because at this point, I'm working in a secondary staff position. And and um, I don't recall getting to sit down and have a really good time alone with God um, and just my, my Bible studies were quick. They were devotional. And I sat down. I still remember going to a Cracker Barrel of all places. And in that noisy environment, sitting down and opening my Bible up and just having a couple of hours just in the Word in that white noise environment, drinking soda and I don't remember what else. And just I remember journaling and feeling just a sense of, of satisfaction in my, my, that my soul was quenched as yeah. a deer pants for the water. Lord, so my soul thirsts for you. I, I had gotten away from the practice just because I was busy. Like I said, sadly in a church environment, just so busy trying to get used to it that I'd lost well, track of exactly. those habits, mm-hmm. but that I knew something was missing. So I forced that time, I, but God worked in me to desire him. Yeah. And then when I satisfied that desire, it just increased the desire. It made me want to have it more, which shows that it can fade. You can, I think I've come to understand a hardening of the heart to be is the longer you're distant from something, the more you fail to realize the thing that you need the most. Well, and exactly why I thought this, um, people have asked to tell our stories a little bit, and I thought this angle on answering that question might be good because we've heard other people, and we quoted this, I think, in one of our last podcasts, that we've heard other people say, it's all I know to do. So they're doing ministry. But what I've heard in that Which same... what I was just saying. That's yeah, what I was doing. in that same context, they had lost the the love, the, the relationship. It really sounded as if they were just doing ministry, I guess, the Bible. I don't know what it is they were doing. They were preaching it even in this context. I'm talking about the quote... Um, but they had truly lost the sense of relationship with Jesus. So I, that broke my heart because I thought, I don't, I think you and I have been through ups and downs so much in ministry. If that had not been the core of who we were to legitimately find satisfaction in the moments with Jesus that fill up, fill up every bit of my soul, mm-hmm. we, we would have 
died. We'd, you Drifted know, away. We definitely would have walked away. We would have done other things. There wouldn't have been a reason to stay. And watching so many other people either walk away from ministry or legitimately turn the back on their own faith, whatever, all I think is, how can you? If, if that's where your soul is, you know, because we've even talked about what if we had uh, just even secular jobs and we, you know, did this or that. And we would always have that sense that this is still who we are. So we would gather people for Bible studies or we would lead our own children or, or we would whatever because it's just who we are. It's You can't separate that out. from. So that's why that first calling is the yeah. very most important. Right on, right on. I agree. That That's... You know, we are we are first called to be followers of Jesus, and a follower of Jesus, that's truly a follower of Jesus, will desire to see others follow Jesus, because what what's this isn't a religious practice for you and I, because we want to have some sort of Zen certitude. Um, this is well, this or is rules to follow or whatever that yeah, is. Yeah, some not order at all. order yeah. in life, bringing order that's from chaos. While God does no, all of those things, yeah, I was gonna say um, the fact that the God who created the universe cared enough about me to engage me and desire that I, who he does not need to fill anything in his life. It's a lot of the debates around things that people say in the world, you know, yeah, God wants me. He desires my presence because he loves us. And does he, does he need me? No. Does he, does he, would he go on without me? Yes. Mm -hmm. But he, he desires, he desires to be um, with his children and I'm one. That he chose, that he's that he's called and set aside. So my responsibility, our I mean, our responsibility as followers of Jesus, is to nurture that gift we've been given, access to the King. Yeah. Now, if that nurturing falters, if we're not nurturing that, then it only makes sense that after a period of time, when we're not getting corrected, you know, I'm, I'm disillusioned because the job didn't come through the way I wanted it to. So I just continue to be disillusioned. And then somebody, I talk to all kinds of people. And that disillusion, I never get corrected in my thinking. Um, but, you know, uh, was it just this week? I was reading in, um, oh gosh, what was I reading? And I was reading in Second uh, Samuel. And David wanted to build a temple for God. And God said, no. Well, that's disheartening. I'm right. David. You've just you've kept me from the Philistines. You've I've hidden out for years, and finally you've upended Saul, and I have the kingdom now, just as you ordained it. You've you done all this. I want to do yeah. something to show you how much I appreciate you mm-hmm. and who you are, because you are who you say you are. I'm going to build a temple, and you can dwell in it, just like. It. And God says, "Well, that's a nice idea, David, but no." <laughs> and then He says to David, "I'm going to allow your son to do that. It'll happen in your, and I'm going to establish His kingdom mm-hmm. forever." And David. Um, doesn't know that what God's planning to do is to use his line to bring about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And what God showed me in that this week as I was looking at that was, you know, personal application. Greg, you have a lot of things in your life you want to do for me. And I do. I mean, there's a lot of things I'd rather do, want to do. I mean, I'm ADHD. I have a different idea about what I want to do moment to moment. <laughs> um, like be a graphic designer. Um, but, uh, but the... Uh, Reality is God's doing something through me that I may never see in this generation or the next generation or generations to come because we have mm-hmm. kids and people whose lives we've touched and influenced throughout our, our ministry that God's used us in. God did through David something that was beyond anything he could fathom or ever experience. Yeah. I don't know what is more desirable that I would get what I want now or that God would say, will you trust me with your life? And no matter what happens in my life, 
I get what what he wants, which is, David, David, God, please, I want you to bring the Messiah through my line. What what man's going to think to pray that? Yeah, he didn't. He wouldn't think to pray that, much less even desire it. He just said, I want to do something great. And God's like, I got something great for you but you're not going to be you're doing what you think me. you're going to be doing. Yeah. And so, well, so many of the Old Testament, we were even told, Abraham, Noah, whatever, they had to look forward to what God was going to do. So they had to trust that what that they weren't going to see right. the fullness of what God was giving them to do. So exactly. And so my point, to, my point to that is we tend to look in the moment and the small things, and we don't see the greater thing that God is doing. What we need and what we get in our relationship with God is a reminder that life isn't all about our timeline, our existence, our puff of smoke, our breath, mm-hmm, our grass right. fading in the wind. You know, um, it's it's about something so much grander. And so when ministers get, del- I'm sorry, so when ministers get deluded or tired or want to give up, they've lost that focus. Yeah. There's somewhere along the line where they have become more concerned about the here and the now and the pain in front of them and the difficulty in front of them or whatever it is in front of them that they lose the sight of the fact that... The questions they can't answer sometimes. Yeah, I mean, goodness um, gracious. I was thinking Go on ahead. that this week because we've kind of hit a strange impasse or place here feeling like um, a lot of our team and efforts have been revolved around our children who are all trickling off now a little bit at a time. They're growing so up on this got Well, and there's not going to be very much oh, left yeah. to show for what we have the work we've done in Washington and and there's been quite a bit of work done but different people have moved and and done different things so there's been like 12 people um I think it's 12 13 or something that have come to Jesus and at least eight or ten of them were baptized but we don't see much of that you know Uh, anyway this week I was reflecting what what's going on God what are you doing are you going to do a new and different work here are you going to take us somewhere else that you're going to do something new and different there or what is the next phase you know sometimes find myself getting discouraged and trying to figure out because we don't seem to have anything that's um, kind of left from our, our ministry here but I I read this scripture, which is my cha- one of my favorite chapters in the whole entire Bible, and I referenced um, my calling verses come out of this chapter, um, verses 5 and 6, but 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But the very first verse says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. <laughs> I was like, okay, first of all, it's his mercy that we have any ministry at all. Yeah. So I totally am I'm leveled by that. I had to kind of repent and say, yes, God, you're right. Any ministry at all, anything you've allowed us to do, any person that's been touched by anything that's been even close to faithfulness from us, which I would never claim that because I don't feel like that's been anything of us at all. But any of that is his mercy. It's his grace toward us. It's his kindness to us. And because of that, any of that, we're not going to lose heart. And we know that um, we've kind of uh, set aside some of the world in order to do this, whatever that's his next couple of verses Paul talking about. But it also says, if our, if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It breaks my heart, but we see it everywhere, and especially here. I think it's not been any more clear that the God of this world has blinded so many so I guess going back to what you said, it's just a thankfulness of my heart that he's kept us where where he has, that, he's, that he, in his faithfulness, we've been able to be faithful um, to this point. And, and praying that the next phase, that 
that that'll be exactly what is um, true, you know, that, that his faithfulness will shine, that he will be uh, still using us, I guess, proclaiming not ourselves, but Jesus is Lord, you know, whatever. That's the next section of that. Um, do you want to go back and kind of reiterate a little bit of calling? Um, we were going to start this particular one with me telling a little bit of that. I don't know if you want yeah, to uh, revisit some of yeah, that. Yeah, well, like I said, so we talked about being called to Christ. We talked about um, the the nature of calling not being necessarily uh, – let's see what – anyway, I'm trying to recap, and I didn't write down a recap. Well, you did – talked about a little bit of your – We talked about our calling to Christ and our call to ministry, ministry, my call to ministry. Yeah, and you talked a little I bit about your – missionary call but what we want to address today no i didn't address that you didn't yet. i thought you did Mm-mm. well if you did then i talked about do it again salvation if you, you know yeah. and coming to jesus and talk about that as then. A young... how about your ministry call well and step and stop there and then i'll introduce another topic as we move along let's see what let's, let's not another topic but a variation on this theme so go oh. ahead tell well me, all tell i me was about gonna how you got called to the ministry young lady okay i don't exactly even remember what we did um, I talked about going. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up that I—that's kind of a special memory for me. That, uh, and I mentioned—I think I mentioned the camp that I grew up, Camp Canaan in, in uh, Markwell, Missouri. But uh, it meant quite a bit to me because every summer that would be kind of the focus as I as I grew and as I um, learned, you know, and just in my literal growing up years, those were some of the best times. I would look forward to those summers. I would I would legitimately feel like there was a revival in my spirit and heart through those summers. Like you said, it was it was a development of that relationship, that really dwelling on I just want time with Jesus. I remember some of what we would call Vespers and we would go out on these on the hill there and we'd just find a spot. And they were just these little pieces of paper that um, were a kind of first person uh, you know, as if Jesus was speaking right to you and it would use the scripture um, uh, as if, again, as if you and Jesus were talking. And so he would tell you, I've, I've, you know, I loved you with an everlasting love. I've, you know, those kind of things. And I just remember those being such dear moments to me. And I looked forward to them every summer as I got a little bit older and, and would go to the altar quite a bit because I, I was always always sensing that the the Holy Spirit was doing something or wanting something. And I would, um, there were also always missionaries who were coming to share their stories, some were from um, the Philippines, some were from Barbados and places like that. So some of that was probably a little bit of a, wow, I want to go see the world, you know. But most of it was, I want to do what they're doing. I want to tell people about Jesus and I want to go to these foreign areas that were new and different and and I knew people needed Jesus or wanted him. Right. I was around people who felt to me like they they almost kind of played at church. Like they would go on church on Sunday but it never seemed exciting or uh joy filled to me. Like everything in my heart was bursting, you know, <laughs> at least like I said from summer to summer. And then as I got to a, in a high school, I wanted to serve, I wanted to help out, I wanted to lead worship. I, w- I wanted to teach people that joy that I felt and um, one thing I got to do when I got into high school was called Super Summer which was again specific discipleship for high schoolers who were um, more intense you know and and more absolute about their uh, walk with Jesus so it was it was a highlight of life to me that was that was all I wanted and all I wanted to be so I I sensed I remember about 10 years old sensing 
um, an absolute calling, not being able to stop going to the altar and literally crying my eyes out. <laughs> those were those <laughs> emotional kind of things you were referencing and experiences. But to me, that's all I knew. And I was a little girl and whatever, you know. I remember somebody, and I don't honestly know who it was, counseling me, probably um, our uh, DOM, who I loved very much, and set that same example of just being in love with Jesus. His name was Brother Carl Wright. And he um, uh, likely was one of the ones that taught me about a missions calling. So somebody prayed with me, counseled me, and said, you know, God could be calling your heart to long-term service for him or, you know, professional service for him going into that type of thing as a vocation. I don't think I would have ever thought that I wanted to do anything else. I mean, that's that's definitely what I wanted to do, you know. Right. don't know what that was going to look like. At that point, legitimately thought it was foreign field of some sort, some sort of foreign missions. So God put that in my heart. I did get to go on some short missions. I got to go to a three-week thing in Brazil and um, – I got to do a naval base uh, vacation Bible school in Bermuda, the island of Bermuda. And I got to do, interact with a lot of those situations. One of them was when we um, went on summer missions, which um, I went to Iowa to do that. And that's where you and I met. There was a lot of that in my heart, though, even at, even at college, because we would do little revival teams, what we called them on the weekends. And we would yeah, go and, you, you know, just do, yeah. It was, but it was a growing time for me. It was a time to to see and know God's voice in my life, and it was, and it was. Um, it's even hard to talk about without it being just so deep in me. I can't even express how uh, walking, literally walking with Him. I would have dreams of He was kind of as my boyfriend in that sense, and I know. Christian yeah, girls weird, are made of you. made fun of all the time for that, but uh, that was the intimacy I had. I really truly believe that, and would would have conversations. I remember this one revival time, um, a time when I was really just challenging, trying to hear his voice, trying to step up my game. You know, if if he wanted something big from me, I wanted to be willing, whatever. And I was still at college, so there was only a certain amount that I had available, but doing what I could. Um, I'll tell that story in a second. There was big things, though, when I would go on those revival teams, it would be like, I'd have a huge paper due on Monday or whatever, and God always took care of it. And I almost always got really good grades, and I just believe it was because I would trust him with those things. They weren't, it wasn't a fly-by-night prayer, you know, God, give me a good grade. That's not what I mean. I mean, I trusted him with that weekend, knew that I had these things to do, also prayed, God, please help me just to get the job done, you know, get the assignments done, because I was still in school, like I said. And I would, and inevitably he sh- would show me that he was taking care of things. I guess that's what I mean by that. So this one revival time, um, I we were having some really great early morning prayer, and these revivals were, they were just um, challenging us to some heavy stuff. And one time I really felt like God was telling me to give my car away. <laughs> I was just supposed to hand it to. I knew exactly who to and everything. It was real weird. And I came back from home from that revival meeting thinking that's just real strange god are you you know are you sure about this am i hearing this right and i had a conversation with god i don't even remember where it was i feel like it was like colossians or something i would ask a question like what if you know this or such maybe how am i going to get to church or something like that you know if i give my car away and the next 
like a line would be, I'll take care of it, or, you know, I'm going to provide for you or whatever. And I would ask another question. And the next line would answer those questions. It was a legit conversation, almost freaky such, you know, but I believe so wholeheartedly that he was talking to me that I knew he was giving me those answers. Yeah. And you know, I, I want to just speak to that for a second, because one of the things that comes to my mind is if so someone's I'll tell out, the rest of the story later. Yeah, I want you to tell the story. Just okay. hang on. I'm, I'm just going to say one thing. Cool. Because you and I have both alluded to this. Or it's not an illusion if you say it straight out, right? We've both said this. <laughs> um, and in the last, as we've talked about our stories, for me, my verse of scripture was, God said this, and therefore... Yeah. Um, I, I was confirmed, it was confirmed in me, his calling to me because of that verse. And there were other moments. You're, I, I want to hear, I want you to tell more of your college story because it's fascinating to me to hear it. Um, even though I've heard them before, I never get tired of hearing what God's done. <laughs> but for those of people who out there who are, might be skeptics and they like to say, well, it's just, that's just a thing. A coincidence, a coincidence or, yeah. I want to say something about coincidence real quick. It's a coincidence when it happens now and again. Yeah. It's, you got to understand when you're in a constant conversation in the word when you're opening the Bible up every day and you're spending and time answering your heart <laughs> and, and the questions of your heart are answered and they're not, and you're not twisting scripture, hunting it out. Yeah. It's I'm sorry. Coincidence. Just forget you. You're not paying attention. <laughs> um, the, the Holy spirit, the Bible, yeah, when it's over and over again, that he satisfies the desires of your heart, they legitimately helps you know that you're hearing yeah. his voice somehow. Yeah. We're not deluding it's ourselves. Not, that's, yeah. that's the whole thing. It's, it's not a delusion to have a constant thing. And and I and I want to say this because you mentioned earlier also that we're kind of in this time of what's God doing? We're, we're yeah, currently in this yeah. place where God's got us on a, like we're... Um, a holding pattern. A holding pattern flying around the airport hoping we don't run out of fuel. Oh, I think um, we're on the tarmac. We're just kind we're of... The, we're trying to get off the ground. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're either trying to take off or land. We're yeah, not exactly. sure what's That's going right. on right now. Um, but, the, but the thing is, is even in those times, if it doesn't feel like God said anything to us to that point. Right. But because I talk to him every day, he's yeah, saying things un- to me all yeah, the time. Exactly. Like, I'm not unsure like, that he's chill with out, us. dude. You yeah. know, like well, I, like I mentioned the David passage earlier. You know, I have in mind what I think God wants us to do, but it's not it's happening. It's not happened yet. Yeah. So I don't know what same, to do with it. Same with me when I was asking him so weird to me this week even, um, several different times. I was like Okay, but I don't know, um, you know, what's really going on right now? What kind of am I being faithful, whatever? <laughs> he legitimately um, showed me stuff like um, the scripture that is, let me look at which, it's verse um, 14 of, chapter, of the same Second Corinthians, because I just re- have a regular reading list, and I read regularly, you know, and look for him to talk to me, and then... In reality, exactly, even just this week, I said, but I don't feel like I'm making any difference right here. And, you know, what's what's going on? What? And he, he showed me verse 14. Thanks be to God, who is Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one, a fragrance from death to death, another, a fragrance from life to life. I just... I knew in that sense that he was telling me, no, you're still doing something. You're spreading my fragrance right now. Just wait, you know, hold on. I've got other stuff. And then like I was talking about to get discouraged about ministry or whatever, and for him to say, you have this ministry because of my mercy. You need to be, you know, it was almost as if a parent kind of shaking his finger saying, now you just hang on here, girl, you know, and I need that. I need that rebuke now and then. I also need 
him to remind me this isn't about you. It's about me and, and I'm doing the work and hang on. I've got you in mind. That's what I feel like he does. He reminds us that we're on his heart, but he doesn't always cater to us in that sense. But he also shows us what we need when it's the right timing. And we've yeah. always had seasons in our lives right. where waiting was part of the game. I mean, that's the biggest part sometimes. We're, we're, we're nothing more sometimes than um, servants waiting for orders. Or Yeah, exactly. Back exactly to your story, right. though. I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt too much. I just felt that skeptic thing coming in here. Yeah, she hears from God. No, and I I, and so if some Christians out there going, I don't, hear from God like that. You probably hear more than you realize, but but you got to listen for things that may seem, maybe God's not answering that big question for you right now. Because for us, he's right. not answering a big question, but he is talking taking to us. He's taking day. care of us in yeah. that, being trying to be content in this. We tend to, I will say this, we tend to not like the fact that he's not answering the big question. <laughs> and we tend to relate every little thing back. Well, so maybe he's ang- saying this to us because he doesn't get... want to answer the big question or whatever. <laughs> and we're like, we talked about anxiety the other day. It's not that kind of anxiety though. It's more of a, just a anticipation like what can we hope for or what do we what should we start to dream yeah. toward okay well, never mind we won't even well, do that know, we'll just sit here we know that god wants to do something with us because he's still talking to us absolutely he either wants to do it where we are I believe that or where we're going we because don't know what that he is loves right us now. and only because we're his children i mean it doesn't even matter if it's if it's big or little or whatever but we also believe he directs us and he's promised to again that scripture that's my mom's favorite he trust in the lord with all your heart don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths he's promised to do that so it's not that he won't but sometimes the part the heaviest part to a lot of christians is the waiting and the waiting it's difficult it's probably the hardest thing in the entire bible think of um, yeah. We always think of Noah waiting a hundred years. The Bible says he legit was the, building that boat for like a hundred years. The hardest thing to do is to sit oh, still in the, the waiting, <laughs> right? And to wait on God to talk to you. Like, so back to my story. So back to your story. I didn't have to wait very long. You didn't have to wait very long. I was going to say no, back to your car story. See, it was a good yeah. segue. It was a good time to ask that question. Why would God take my car from me? Uh, yeah. No, it was kind of cool because I didn't. I had a little bit of fear and a little bit of whatever trepid, but I also had some weird, real weird peace. That this is exactly what I was supposed to do, and I would trust him. Basically, that I felt very confidently that the rest of the details would make sense later. Right then, I just needed to be willing. And I and God had done a real heavy work on me. Like I said, I was on my knees. There was a lot of other things. There was some <laughs> dress things, which are other stories That's for a later great time. Story by itself. That same revival, yeah. Why does that woman? But only wear what dresses? was so neat so anyway. was within. Within a few hours, and I, I want to say it was like maybe I came back from that revival team or that revival team maybe by um, 7 or 8 in the evening, and it was either the next morning or it was later that evening. And I don't remember for sure. This friend that I knew in my heart who I was supposed to be giving that card to came to my door. She knocked on my door, so I didn't contact her. She knocked on my door. She said, Tanya, I have a huge favor to ask. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, what do you need? <laughs> what is it? You know, because I'm kind of kind of ready. I mean, I'm thinking, I got to hand you the keys to my car. She said, I need to go home. There's a family emergency. Or, well, it wasn't a family. It was a thing that she needed to settle. For, I don't even know what the details were at this point. But, And our, um, our home was four and a half hours away. So it was legitimately that she needed to borrow my car to go home by herself to take, you know, travel that far and come back. I mean come back or not, you know, take right. my car. Literally, right. I had to be willing to hand her my car. She said that I need to borrow your car and go home. 
I was like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no question, because I know exactly that God just told yeah. me. And it's important to note that that car might have been harder for you to let go of had God not done that, because oh, you yeah. paid for that car. Oh, you, absolutely. That well, was, was yours from the get-go. I mean, you did all the work and laid it out. And... I did, and then it was also a gift. Um, when I went to college, I had asked God that he wouldn't put that burden on my parents to make to help me make those payments or to figure out how to make those payments. And because um, I paid off quite a bit of it, but not not the whole thing. It wasn't that expensive of a car, but back then, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but my aunt had had come to me and said she wanted to pay my car off. So it was literally a a sweet gift of God that I own this car. So one of the commitments I had made to was to carry people to church on Sunday, and we ended up finding a church in Springfield, which was a forty five minute drive. So it it was you truly a tool of his. Yeah, and the car was so, orange. Uh, it was. Red, and we won't go into that. Okay. Anyway, it was orange. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you've come to terms with the lack of redness red. in that car. <laughs> I thought I married a colorblind woman at no. first. Anyway, so um, it was neat because God reassured me right at that moment, <clears throat> this is what I wanted. I wanted you to be willing, but you'll, you know, I felt very confident I'd, I would get the car back when it was time or when it, or in his timing. But in the meantime, I was legitimately just turning that over to her 100%. So it was so cool the way God did that because I, he did all the pieces, and I was reassured. And that was the most kind of prophetic time I've ever had where I, I really sensed exactly what would happen and yet you know didn't know the end of it, but knew to be reassured that God would take care of it, and he did very much so. But um, there's been a few, several other times where God has, kind of to me to us shown himself as legitimately supernatural invention yep. with us we've yep. got quite a few stories of monetary means that nobody knew about that they t- that he took care of you know um, anonymously at the last minute well, or we have... real quickly so when did you know you were going to be a missionary when did you know God was going to call you to the ministry? I want to, I want to wrap up with that question, okay. and then we're going to get into well, one, okay. a really important question about how we came together for missions in our next podcast. That's um, but we're kind of we're lowing, we're yeah, leaking out of leaking out of time. <laughs> okay, let me um, real quick. So when I was ten, I said I talked and counseled with someone who I legitimately thought God was calling me to foreign missions at that time so it really did start that early and as you can see and as I tried to portray he he started preparing me for different types of mission work all along the way with some different discipleship type things and then of course college set me up with some real confidence that he would be using me some way that way and I I did everything from you know teach Sunday school in our local church to go back to the camp and help lead and and do whatever I wanted to always be available so God said it in my heart. This is what I want you. I want I want to use you. You know, are you available? And I wanted to be available for that. So then as I continued, um, especially at college, kind of thought that would be the launching pad for foreign missions. Right. I didn't take any foreign um, uh, languages or anything like that. But we had what at that time was called the Foreign Mission Board. Now it's called um, the IMB, International Mission Board. But it would prepare people like that and send them to language school and stuff like that. I legitimately thought that would be the path. 
path. Yeah. The only thing is, like, I missed an opportunity. Of, you weren't thinking I was, about family, and we'll get into this next. No, time. I wasn't. None of you were. They, I think you told me one time they nicknamed you the Baptist nun. Yeah, they, that was my prophecy in high school. Anyway, <laughs> that I would be the first Baptist nun. Um, that turned out quite the opposite. So that's interesting. We'll but anyway, get, um, yeah. so what I was going to say was, thank you. Though, You're welcome. The, <laughs> yeah, I also missed an opportunity because my uh, my four year school had a missions. Uh, major that you could do but you had to start at the very beginning because it was a literal five-year program which included a lot of theology and I, I don't know if it ended up in a, a master situation but it just it would take five years I didn't know about it until the almost the end of my second year and it it devastated me because I didn't understand why God didn't give that to me but later it ended up that when I transferred schools I met you and transferred schools that that must have been why I wasn't supposed to stay there that long because we wouldn't have been on the path that we we're on, I guess. And then let's let's wrap up there. Um, so at ten, you knew ministry of some kind was your thing, and nothing in your life did anything to derail that. I mean, you were no. just reinforced along that way. Not. Whereas I told my story last time, and whereas at ten, thirteen, I became a Christian, and then basically wandered around aimlessly until I was about eighteen, when I was like, oh yeah, that's what this means. And then God <laughs> called me to the ministry. Boys and girls, we follow different paths sometimes, and <laughs> um, and I and I think that's that's pretty amazing. But I think things ta- changed when we got married and it it, it it did some interesting stuff so let's we'll save that for next time um we've covered some good stuff today why do people quit why do um well you know what is it what does it feel like to to hear god's voice and um and so just some some cool stuff so i i really have enjoyed our time together and i look forward to talking to you again in a few minutes and forcing people to wait two weeks to hear it so anyway <laughs> thank you so tricky? much for joining for joining us this week for our podcast ask Mom and Dad, oh, look and we see we did it. Right. We got it. I that tried it, and um, and then blew it by talking about it after the fact. Well, this week's <laughs> podcast was, as usual, brought to you by two rambling older people who are still very much in love. No, as usual, brought to you by Jesus. No, yes, the and Holy Spirit. That Jesus. the Holy Spirit. I couldn't remember who brought it to us last time, but it was definitely brought to you by the Holy Spirit because we've talked a lot about God, and I don't know why I'm so silly. Thank you for listening. We're going to end on that obscurely strange note and pick it up next time. And now you understand why the logo I drew has me kind of all over the place. Take I keep on.